Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Jam-packed we are on a Friday. Football is not by any means behind us. There's plenty of that to get to this morning. We got the uh, Graziano and Tannenbaum are good, good enough to stick around to the law firm of Greenberg and Tannenbaum remains wide open for business. Let's do this thing. Here we go! Only one place to start. Our one place to start wasn't on my screen, so that's a good job by someone picking it up and me doing a Hall of Fame job of vamping (laughs) while we figured that out. All right, Graziano's here, Tannenbaum is here, Combine is next week, and that's when we Mm. get down to business, right? That, that, That is when everything tends to happen, including some of the big wheeling and dealing. And you guys were telling me this morning, and Graz, I'll start with you, that the names that everyone will have on the front of their, the tips of their respective tongues will be Justin Fields and Kirk Cousins. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the Vikings are trying to figure out now before they get there um, what's going to happen with Cousins. Can they get him re-signed? What would that deal look like? And if they feel like they can't, I think they'd become a very interesting team because I think they'd be a candidate to move up into that top three and draft a quarterback. I know you know the, the GM and the head coach got there a couple of years ago. They kind of inherited Cousins. He's played well for them, and I, and I do think at some level they'd like to have him back. But they also are cognizant of the idea that at some point they're going to need uh, to find the long-term solution there. And if they can't get a deal done with Cousins, I think they become one of the players uh, for those top three picks. How do you view that? If, if you're a, a team that is thinking big thoughts, like Pittsburgh right now, Mike, and Kirk Cousins is an option, and Justin Fields is an option. Which way are you going? Well, if I'm Mike Tomlin, I'm looking at the longer-term sort of view of things. And as you said multiple times on the air, Greeny, Justin Fields is younger than Kenny Pickett. And you could get him for two years, roughly $28 million. And I go back and I look at Arthur Smith with Ryan Tannehill. And for those two years in Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill was outstanding. And I think when you look at Justin Fields next to Ryan Tannehill, they're very similar guys. Big, strong, athletic guys, and I think with all those weapons that Pittsburgh has, I think that's a really interesting option. If I'm Mike Tomlin, championship defense, a young, athletic, ascending quarterback with those weapons, that's where I'm going. You know, Graz, to what degree, because you you sort of wear a lot of hats for us here, and, and, and first and foremost, you know, when I'm not here, you do an outstanding job hosting the show. Thank you. But then when you're here with me, you know, you're an insider and an opinionist, right? So you're sort of part of the – but then you go to some place like that, and you are a reporter extraordinaire. The things that we all assume – Right. So, yeah. so we are I'm sitting here assuming, well, Pittsburgh or Atlanta, that deal with Justin Fields gets done. No question about it. Right. By next Thursday. That doesn't always happen. Like, no. wh- what is going on there that I'm missing? What what kinds of things might still be happening with him? With whom? With Fields. With Fields. Yeah. I mean, look, it, it, it's, it's trade talks. It's who's interested and what's the price. And if you go back a year ago. Uh, Ryan Poles, the Bears GM, had the number one pick. And the decision was, do we stick with Fields? Do we trade the pick? And I think by the time he got to Indy, he had a, a sense of like, we're going to stick with Fields and, and we're going to, because I know what the market is for this pick and, it, and it's going to be worth it. And then I think at, at the comp, so I think when they went to the combine last year, the team that had been very aggressive with them was the Raiders, who had a better pick than the Panthers did. But 
as the week went on and as the conversations continued uh, and all of a sudden the Bears find out they can get DJ Moore from the Panthers and the Raiders really didn't have that kind of piece to put into the deal. And all of a sudden the Bears start to think they have their meetings. Well, are we OK moving back at that far to number nine with Carolina uh, if, it, if this is what it means? And ultimately they decided yes. So. The, the things become a lot more realistic when when people can have these face to face meetings. It, it feels old fashioned, uh, but it's still true. And I think being in the same room with people uh, definitely helps deals get done, and certainly helps uh, inform what the deals ultimately will be. Take us inside the room where it happens, to use a Hamilton term, Mike T, because you've been doing it. You've you've done it. You're a general manager in two different places. Like, what's going on in these rooms that the reporters aren't allowed into? Yeah, no, Graz nailed it. I always loved Indy because it really got all the gray out, and I felt like all I had to do was call Steve Ross or Woody Johnson and say, hey, like, we're all here. We feel like here's our plan. And I think the reason Justin Fields is being traded is last year, like, the inverse was true. They were speaking very highly about him very publicly and they did a great job with that trade and the fact that they have not come out and said hey we're running it back with Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus and Justin Fields tells us everything we need to know yeah and the fact that they haven't said that means they're training him so they're going to get to Indy they're going to get in a room with two teams the Atlanta Falcons and the Pittsburgh Steelers and they're going to say hey by the time the league year starts March 12th we're making a trade what's your best offer and there'll be no BS and my sense is within the next seven to 10 days, we'll know one of those two teams will be traded. And what I would say just to get the gray out is just give me your best offer and I'll let you know if it's a yes or a no. The one thing that gives me pause there, though, Mike, and, and is like if Minnesota said, in that meeting says to Ryan Poles, like we're still first of all, I, I don't know that they're going to do an in-division trade. But if hypothetically that's the case, like like if Minnesota says to Ryan Poles, like we're trying to get Cousins, but if we don't get him back, then we want in on this. Like does that delay the ultimate uh, culmination of this whole thing. Yeah, like from my purview, no. I would always take a bird in the hand versus two in the bush. And if you look at the way Chicago operated last year, that's exactly what they did. They took a really strong deal, including DJ Moore at Indy. So to me, like if you look at their sort of like front office DNA, if if there is such a thing, I would think like if they find a deal, they're going to take it. And I think there's another part just to give you like a sense of what your thought process is, which is, you have a responsibility to do what's best for the Bears, but there is a part of it, 15 20%, that you want to look Justin Fields in the eye and say, hey, we want to do right by you as yeah. well, and we want you to get to Team X as soon as possible so you could have the career that you hope and dream of. We're going to get value, and I don't think the extra 2% is worth waiting. And that's, that's an important point because like, teams with new head coaches can open their offseason programs on April 1st like four weeks before the draft. If you're the Atlanta Falcons, you have the opportunity to get Justin Fields in your building that soon. Obviously, you want to get this hammered out long before the draft actually occurs. So let, let me ask this, because all of this presupposes that Caleb Williams is a slam dunk, first pick in the draft, no debate about it, no discussion. The, he has gone number one in every mock draft that I have seen. Because I host the draft, I look at every one of them, I read what everyone is saying, I listen to every podcast that I can find. There's a lot of debate over who's number two and who's number three. In your view, what is the order of the best quarterbacks in this draft, and what is the space between them? Yeah, I'd say Caleb Williams is first, for me, more narrowly over Drake May, and here's why. Lincoln Riley is a really good coach. He's been sacked 83 times and 32 fumbles, and Lincoln Riley is drilling fundamentals day after day after day at Oklahoma, at USC. 
look, they all have things to work on. That's why you have coaches. So I really like Caleb Williams, but he is not beyond reproach. Drake May to me is really fascinating. You know, you hear comps like Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, but Greeny, he is big, he's strong, he's physical. And to me, he's clearly going to be drafted, in my opinion, before Jaden Daniels because a little bit when we talked about Tua and Justin Herbert three years ago, 66 quarterbacks started this year. And when you look at the rigors of an NFL season, clearly the way Drake May is built and looking like Josh Allen has a better chance than Jaden Daniels. Now, Jaden Daniels may go his whole career and never miss a game, but if the three of us were running a team, the more likely scenario is May over Daniels. That's fair. Although, I mean, Tua did go ahead of Herbert, whether that was the right or wrong decision at this point. And this past year, Herbert got hurt and Tua did not. But that hasn't been the history for them. And then, so then Henri goes from there. So, but the the reason where I tried to begin this conversation is, like, Mike T, you're talking about Pittsburgh and Atlanta. Like, these conversations are already taking place, right? And people are already talking about this stuff. You, 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 you have to agree because you have to juxtapose what is Kirk Cousins' price going to be versus what we have to trade for Justin Fields. Like, what are our options? Does J.J. McCarthy become new? I, I think this draft is so fascinating because I think eight, Atlanta, six, and the Giants are kind of – you kind of bootstrapped out to number three. But then, like, this next group, and you'll be talking about this for months – is you have like stacked up Minnesota Raiders and Denver, and those three teams all may need a quarterback, and now you're going to be in the J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix, you mm-hmm. know, Michael Penix world. So I think you have like two clumps of like really interesting quarterback debate. Most of the mocks that I see have five quarterbacks going in round one, and every now and again you'll see Penix sneak into the back of one as well, so maybe as many as six. Greeny, Graz, and Tannenbaum are here. Um, the, the other uh, piece of this then becomes uh Graz becomes the Kirk Cousins of it all. Yeah. Like is Kirk Cousins viewed as someone in your mind who is going to be the difference maker on a championship team? I mean there there are championship teams out there that need or, or there are good teams out there that need quarterbacks. Yeah. Do we look at Kirk Cousins as someone we say, well, get that guy, and now here we go? Well, it's a very different evaluation of a 36-year-old Kirk Cousins, especially one coming off an Achilles injury. We don't really know how ready he'll be and when uh, versus – you know, a, a Caleb Williams, who, who, for whom you can imagine the world, right? Like Kirk Cousins, we've watched almost his whole career, uh, and he hasn't he hasn't come close to a Super Bowl, right? So is he the difference maker for a contending team? Well, so far he hasn't been, and it's probably easier to imagine Drake May or Jaden Daniels or Caleb Williams becoming that than it. Now that said, if what you want is reliability at the position, which a lot of teams do, if you want, if you feel like you have a team that doesn't want to spend the time developing it, you're close enough, you don't want to spend the time developing the kid, you'd rather have the established veteran who you know can play, then he makes a lot of sense. So that's why I'm fascinated to see, uh, for example, Pittsburgh. Like if, Cousin do, if Cousins does hit the market, is he more appealing to a team that just went 10-7 and seven and might be a quarterback away than, say, a Justin Fields who might need some more development? I'm interested to see where they land on that question, if, in fact, it's a question that comes to them. The, the only thing I'll say is that we are assigned to Kirk Cousins a quality that he has never actually demonstrated, which is an ability to take a team deep into the playoffs. That's what I'm saying. He's won one playoff game in his entire life, and now we're looking at and saying, oh, we get Kirk Cousins and we're on our way. Reminds me of Derek Carr last year. Derek Carr is a good player, and he's better than what many teams have. Uh, Kirk Cousins is certainly way better than what they had in Atlanta last year. But I don't think you look at him and you say, okay, well, now we got Kirk Cousins. Who can possibly beat us? Greedy, I think that's a totally fair point. Just to give you context to take you inside the room, which is like, but boy, if we have Desmond Ritter or Kenny Pickett, he looks a lot better. Right. And sometimes, like, 
And that was what was so frustrating about competing against Tom Brady year after year. Like, we know we're not going to have Tom Brady, so how good can we be in the other phases of the game to compete in a meaningful way? And that's where, like, if you're Atlanta and Pittsburgh, you're saying, to your point, Greeny, I promise you the owner is going to say, we're going to pay this guy how much? How many playoff games has he won? And the answer is going to be, yeah, but. And the but is the alternatives. And But that's the thing. Like, if you're Denver or Vegas, right? And in your division is Mahomes. Like maybe you're not thinking about Cousins because that does. You have to be thinking way beyond that. You have to be thinking about the upside uh, of one of these kids. If maybe you dra- you trade up into that that top three. Cross, and that's exactly why we traded for Brett Favre. We felt like we had Chad Pennington, who was the good, but there was no way he was going to be Tom Brady. You're not so gonna, yeah, I can empathize with the Raiders and the rest of the AFC West. And and then the last one that comes to mind here is Russell Wilson. I've had a lot of people suggesting to me that Russell Wilson, who two years ago was the centerpiece of what might have been the biggest trade in NFL history in terms of what he got paid plus the compensation that went. um, And here we are two years later, and I've got people suggesting to me he may not play again. He may not have a place next year. Yeah, I still think it. It's more likely that he plays than not, just because of the, the, the need around the league at the quarterback position. But I do think it, there's a non-zero chance that, that he doesn't, because he doesn't need to. Like, he's going to make $39 million from the Broncos no matter what. And if, if the only situations that are available to him are ones he doesn't like, then he doesn't need to take that job. He could wait. He could wait to see somebody on a contending team gets hurt in October and all of a sudden they're desperate enough. Like th- those options are on the table for him at this point in his career. I don't know him. I don't, I'm not in his mind. I don't know what he's after, what he's trying to prove, what he's trying to accomplish at this point in his career. But objectively looking at it, it's not a guy that really, that, that, that needs the work, right? I actually think there's a non-obvious solution or ending to this. And I think Kyle Shanahan was sort of like insightful when he was candid a couple of weeks ago heading to the Super Bowl, which was, yeah, I did talk to Tom Brady because I was kept me up at night knowing that my starting pitcher on opening day was coming off of elbow surgery. Right. Like, so Brock Purdy may not be ready. And I'm just telling you, like, it may be Sean McVay. It may be, you know, Kyle Shanahan that flies to Russell and say, hey, Whatever happened the last couple of years, let's flush it. Come to us for a year. Learn a new system. Be in the best shape of your life. Get healthy. And you know what? A year from now, you may retire or may not. And, and I'm just saying, like, every team's going to sit there and say, it's Russell Wilson for a million dollars. Are we sure we don't want him? And I think someone's going to recruit him. Maybe. But he brings with him some other stuff that is well-documented that a lot of people may not like. And he is also such a star that if you're an established NFL yes. starting quarterback, I mean, do you want Russell Wilson as your backup? That's a no. weird dynamic. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, Seattle made the decision two years ago that, like, this guy's going to want another contract. We don't think he's going to be the kind of player that justifies another mega money extension. So they decided to trade him, and now they look very good. And when you talk to people in Seattle, they will tell you that a lot of the issues he, that have come up in the two years since are stuff that they – they foresaw or that they saw and managed to overcome to some to some degree while he was there. Yeah, I, I think it's possible we've seen the end. Very quick. Yeah, I was just saying, like, I was there trying to sign Jay Color of the Fox broadcast booth. So the other thing <laughs> is, like, hey, I'm going to hang out. Someone's going to need me. We saw Carson Wentz sign in the middle mm-hmm. of the year. At some point. Flacco. Yeah. Yeah, right. Like, so there's that sort of, like, play to he run He could become well. the comeback player of the year, as <laughs> Joe Flacco play, did. i got to play five games. Guys, yeah. you're the best. Have a great weekend. Thank you both for this. Enjoy Indy, Mike T. We'll talk to you. In the meantime, as we continue next, 
what I would describe as a genuine sports tragedy is playing out right before our eyes. And I will tell you what it is right after this on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with Mike Greenberg. Those teams brought incalculable joy to millions of people. They created memories that people will never forget, that I will take with me to my grave having watched it. And the fact that one of the central pieces feels so much bitterness toward it. From a purely sports standpoint, it's tragic. This is Greeny. And now it's gotten even worse. Uh, And that is the right way to open up this conversation in 30 seconds. You will hear how this sports tragedy has taken a step from which it will never recover. I I just can't fathom how ugly this is about to get, and we'll try and figure out where it's headed. We'll do that after this reminder that ESPN Bet is now live as the official sportsbook of ESPN. ESPN Bet is the only place to find daily exclusives and offers with your favorite ESPN personalities and shows. Sign up today. New users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sportsbook bet. Find all your favorite markets and bets like in-game wagering, cross-sport parlays, teasers, and all the props you can handle, that's ESPN Bet. Download today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. I mean, this, is, this still gives me a feeling down deep inside of myself that I will take to my grave. I had the extraordinary good fortune of being around one of the greatest sports teams of all time and one of the most legend, one of the most legendary collections of athletic greatness of all time. The Chicago Bulls of the 1990s, who won six out of eight championships, and Michael Jordan, of course, in the center of it all, and all of the attention that they got, and all of the drama. And so much of it was documented at times um, in a one-sided manner in in The Last Dance, which, as frequently happens with Michael, um, came along at the perfect moment. If you'll recall, Last Dance was supposed to debut on ESPN sometime later in 2020. And then the pandemic happened and there were no sports and there was nothing to show. 
And ESPN was able to work quickly with the director, who's a genius named Jason Hare, to get it together more quickly. And so the last dance wound up airing on ESPN at a time when the country was pretty much at a standstill and there was nothing to do but sit and watch. And so the last dance, which always was going to get and a lot of a lot of attention, was going to be a very big deal, became the biggest thing in America. It became the Super Bowl of the moment. And it was magnificent. It was epic. It was excellent. It was a fascinating retelling of an incredible time in American history and sports history, for sure. And again, I had a front row seat for a lot of it. So it's always been meaningful to me. And I did make the observation, I recall at the time, if I were Scottie Pippen, I would not have been happy with the way I was portrayed in that. It was the telling of the story of the team, but it was the telling of the story of Michael Jordan in the center of it, and deservedly so. That was always going to be about Jordan. If you're going to, make a, if you're going to tell a story of that group, it was always going to start with Michael Jordan because, A, he's the most famous person in the world, and B, he was inarguably the most important reason why they became what they became. But significant roles were played by, among others, Scottie Pippen, Phil Jackson, Jerry Krause, and on a different level, Luke Longley. And in case you haven't heard, Horace Grant, Scottie Pippen, and Luke Longley have put together a tour that they are calling the No Bull Tour, where they are going to travel around and they are going to tell their version of the events. And as you hear in this little clip I have from Horace Grant, this is not going to be a fun time, or she's certainly not telling any fun, cute story. Well, as you know me, I speak my mind. Yes, you do. And it's going to be a no tour. <laughs> Believe me, I, I tell you this. The X factor in the first three and the second three, I would have kicked Dennis Rodman. I'd like to have seen that. (laughs) Come out and uh, get the tickets and uh, you hear a lot. All right. So it it starts tonight in Tasmania, Australia. There's another show in Melbourne. There's another show in Sydney. And you may be saying, why Australia? Well, that is where Luke Longley is from. Now, Horace Grant is talking about how he was better than Dennis Rodman. And I have said forever, I thought the first three-peat team was better than the second three-peat team mostly because Michael was better. The second three-peat, Michael Jordan was the best player in the NBA. The first three-peat, Michael Jordan was the best player that ever lived. He was absolutely at the pinnacle, the peak of his prime. And Horace Grant was a terrific player. He wasn't He may not have been as good as Dennis Rodman, but I think those teams were better. At any rate, the point is, what you're going to hear is you're going to hear Scotty's telling of the events. You're going to hear Horace's telling of the events. You're going to hear Luke Longley's telling of the events. I don't know exactly what bone to pick Luke Longley has in all of this. He always struck me as a pretty good-natured Aussie who was happy to have found himself in the midst of this extraordinary story. I've not known Steve Kerr to have a big bone to pick. I mean, it's it's well-documented that he and Michael had that issue, whatever it was. I mean, Phil Jackson continues to love Michael to this day. Scotty and Michael have their issues, and they've been well-documented. Much, to, I mean, Scotty Pippen has gone over and over and over it, 
how he feels wronged. We all understand there was a relationship there for a period of time between Michael's son and Scotty's ex-wife, which creates just a ridiculous dynamic. I can't quite fathom where that would be. The only thing I'll say, because I'm sort of tap dancing around saying it, is that the fracture of that group is a tragedy. It's really a tragedy. It reminds me of if you watch, there are these, um, there used to be on VH1, there used to be these series called Behind the Music, where they would always get together like famous rock bands, and when they broke up, and now they're all suing each other and all hate each other, and they all talk about how much they hate each other. That's what this has become. And this was a team that, as I said in that open, Hembo, they brought so much joy. I was there. I saw it. I mean, the city of Chicago was, you've never seen a place so happy that is a major American city where there was this, this every night that they played, it was like the Beatles were in town. Every night that they played, it was like the Beatles were on Ed Sullivan that night. I've never seen anything like it, and I don't expect to ever see anything like it again. And the fact that it is broken into this I really, it makes me genuinely sad for all the people involved. I've been dying to ask your opinion on this, considering your proximity to those teams. I have many questions. The first of which I want to ask is this. Do you think that the, do you think that the last dance is the primary reason that this happened? Which is to say, these re- relationships have probably been fractured or were fracturing over a long period of time. Do you think that the documentary and the way that it was told was sort of the last straw for some of these characters? Yeah, I, I, I didn't help. Let's put it that way. Um, and I think the, the person who I think was upset with the last dance was Scottie Pippen. Because, look, everything that was presented, everything that was represented in last dance was accurate. Scottie Pippen did hold out through a lot of that season, even though he probably was healthy enough to play because he was upset about a contract that he himself did choose to sign, even though the owner told him he was not getting a good deal. He remained mad about it, remained mad at Krause about it. And, and, and he, there was also there was plenty of coverage of the, inc- the ish incident where he refuses to go back in the game against the Knicks. It happened. It happened. I've said forever. Tony Kukoc saved Scottie Pippen's career by making that shot that won that game at the end there. So Scotty was accurately portrayed. I don't know that he got enough glory. Like I think Scotty Pippen was also an integral part of what they accomplished. And I don't know if, if he felt he got enough of that in there. Look, no one is going to be totally happy with the way a story gets told 25 years after it finishes. Um, but I think that the, 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 the genesis of this there's a look at the end of the day, there's a lot of envy. So when they would travel, when they would have like back to backs and all that kind of stuff, Phil would give Michael and Scotty the day off of practice or he would let them go easy in practice. And Horace always said, why is it the two of them, not the three of us? They're not two stars and the rest of us We're three stars and the rest of us. So there were always hard feelings involving Horace, who left as a free agent uh, when he got the opportunity to in Orlando. And when the Magic beat the Bulls, they picked them up on their shoulders and they carried them off the floor in Chicago. So he clearly had bad feelings even as far back as that. Scottie Pippen was was destined to forever be the second guy, right? He's the second banana. He's the, he's the guy like Michael's in the motorcycle and he's in the sidecar. And that has to come with a lot of psychological stuff. I don't know exactly what, because Pippen was good enough to have been the best player on a lot of really good teams. But 
The history of it is what the history of it is. Now, again, the relationship between Michael's son and Scotty's ex-wife cannot have helped matters. It's almost impossible for me to fathom what that would be like in, in case you're trying to figure out just what are the dynamics involved here. I mean, that would be like my relationship splitting up and you getting involved with my wife, right? I mean, there's just obviously that's just not going to be okay. So, like, that's what happened here. Um, and, actually, no, what am I talking about? You're not my son. <laughs> <laughs> it would be like your son being with my wife. Oh, good point. I got it backwards. You're exactly right. That would be like if you and Lizzie broke up and suddenly Lizzie was with Stevie. That would be an upgrade for her. That would be, it would be a colossal upgrade <laughs> Nice for her. going, Stevie. In fact, right now, sitting in her house listening to this conversation, she's saying, is that an option? Like, is, that, is that on the list of things that could happen? Yeah, you're right. I got that. I got the, here I am trying to explain it. I got the relationships wrong. That would be like you splitting up with Lizzie and her winding up in a relationship with Steve. Yes, and then you have two adopted grandkids. I mean, everything about... That's exactly right. <laughs> one named after you. And then Michelle and the other one uh, would, would be in my family. And with the point I'm making here, not to make light of something that's obviously super uncomfortable, is that I know for a fact that Michael feels that he always gave Scotty all the credit that he was due. I've heard... I have personally heard Michael say, publicly and privately... We could never have done all that without Scotty. Scotty is a first ballot Hall of Fame, all-time great, top 50 player, all that stuff. I think Scotty Pippen does get the credit that he deserves. What, what he deserves to be remembered as is the second best player on one of the greatest teams of all time. Just like Kevin McHale deserves to be remembered that way. They're not all Shaq and Kobe or Kareem and Magic, where you could kind of debate, well, was it Magic, was it Kareem, was it Shaq, was it Kobe? There's no debating this, right? The, the Celtics, the great Celtic teams were Larry Bird's teams, and Mikhail was there too. Uh, not, not was there too. He was an integral you know, part. You could never have won without him. But they were clearly his teams. The Celtic dynasty were clearly Russell's teams. The Bulls dynasty were clearly Michael's teams. There's no, there's, there was no debating that, and I don't think Scottie Pippen doesn't know that. Or in an honest moment, I don't think he shouldn't know that. So, again, whatever it is that bothers him, whatever it is that has gone sideways, just for and I speak on behalf of everyone who is around that group, everyone who, and I don't even mean you have to have been covering them, anyone who lived in Chicago in the 90s, I've never witnessed anything like it. There, there, it was a never-ending party. It was the greatest thing I've ever seen. It was as much fun as I could ever imagine anything possibly being. It's like what it must be like to be in Kansas City now with the Chiefs. I mean, obviously, we had the tragedy last week. I don't mean to conflate that. But when you've just got the best team year after year after year and the best player in your con, every game is an event. Everything is so much fun. You win all these championships. Like, I've never lived it anywhere else. And the fact that it is disintegrated into this, it makes me really sad. You know, the power of The Last Dance really came into to clear picture for me last month when at the Bulls Ring of Honor ceremony in which they were honoring Jerry Krause, his wife Thelma was booed. It's a disgrace. And she was moved to tears. You never really had the opportunity, based on the timing of when that happened, 
to, to fully elaborate or share your thoughts on that. I'm, I'm dying booed, to hear. The people who booed Thelma Krause are two things. They are classless and they are clueless. They are both of those things. They are obviously classless because you do not boo a dead man's wife unless that man was a murderer, right? If, if you want to boo the wife of a, of a, of a mass killer, if, if the worst thing you can say about Jerry Krause was that he was a bit disagreeable and you don't think he did as good a job as other people think he did, the idea that that would then justify you booing his wife is embarrassing. Where You have no sense of decency. Where has our decency gone in our culture? So you were classless at minimum, and that was a disgrace. You're also clueless. Jerry Krause built those teams. He built you six championships. He put every piece in place besides Michael. He handpicked Phil Jackson from the Albany Patroons of the CBA and turned him into one of what he became, which is the winningest, most successful coach in the history of the sport. No one was looking at him that way. He got you Scottie Pippen. He got you Horace Grant. He got you um, uh, Dennis Rodman. He put constantly shuffling the pieces at the back of the bench, Trent Tucker, Craig Hodges, Bobby Hansen, all of whom played integral roles in each of their individual championships, not to mention Steve Kerr and some of the other guys like that. So if you booed Jerry Krause's wife, then you are overwhelmingly classless and you are also clueless. You don't have the first freaking idea what you're talking about. And I had to clean that up. That's how angry it made me. So there's that part of it for sure. And part of that came from Last Dance. And look, Michael didn't like him, and, and that's just the way it was. Lots of people didn't like Jerry. He didn't go out of his way to be liked. He was a, a cantankerous, at times difficult person. He also did his job brilliantly, and he never murdered anyone. So the idea that you're going to boo him after his passing, and you're going to boo his family to humiliate and sadden them, just makes you an absolute lowlife cretin. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know any other way to put it. That's well said. That's well said. I feel similarly, and of all of my objections to the Last Dance, that's number one for me. The characterization of Jerry Krause, who not only went into the Hall of Fame posthumously, which is a joke, but that scene with his wife on the floor last month made me sick. Yeah, so brutal. Anyway, Mrs. Greeny, we're brought to you by ESPN Bet, the official sports book of ESPN. ESPN Bet, what a play! Uh, we have a lot going today. We got some trivia. Let's do it. This is our group trivia. It is. I'm looking at a list of most career triple doubles in the history of the NBA. There are six players that have at least 100 career triple doubles. There are six, and you are going to give me all six. Six players, 100 career triple doubles. Let's do this next, ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Greeny, the podcast. Genuinely great question. Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio. The free AutoZone Fix Finder service can help troubleshoot the likely cause of your pesky check engine light for free and help you save time and money down the road. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone with AutoZone. 
Wow. Okay. And how are your trivia skills? This is Sneaky Himbo Trivia. Regular sneaky or extra sneaky? Group trivia, go. I am looking at a list of most career triple doubles in the history of the NBA. There are six players that have at least 100 of those, and you are going to give me all six players. All right, so uh, hashtag Nick, who earned that yesterday but could lose it just as fast, (laughs) and hashtag Cam and myself have been kicking these around with a little help from Brandon and Pineapple Jack. So we've got four names written down here that we feel very good about, and then we have one, two, three, four, five other names written down for two spots. Cam, that's where we sit as of now. Yeah, and we have two absolute stone-cold locks, obviously, at the top. All right, so I should start with the locks? Yeah. All right, so stone-cold lead pipe lock, Russell Westbrook. That's correct. He's first with 198. Feels like stone-cold lead pipe lock, Oscar Roberts. That's correct. He's second with 181. All right, so those two had to be. They both averaged triple-doubles for a season. The other names, guys, I'm, I'm, I, we feel very good about LeBron, right? I mean, LeBron, all these seasons. It, I like it. It's got, it ha, LeBron James has to be on the list. That's right. Okay. He is fifth with 110 for his career. The fourth one that we have written down on the list of it's got to be is Jason Kidd. So, so Kidd certainly will have had the points and the assists. Will he have had it? I feel like he had a lot of triple doubles. It, it has to be, right? Doesn't it? I like Jason Kidd. Nick, you feel good about it? Yeah, I'm with it. Okay, we're going to go Jason Kidd. That's right. Woo! He is sixth with 107 triple-doubles, so you are missing numbers three and four. Okay, so there's two left. So here are the names we have written down for those two spots. Will Chamberlain, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Luka Doncic, and Nikola Jokic. Yeah, I really... I'm t- it's so tough with these new guys because I feel like they get it more and more. And I feel like I've seen so many stats about Jokic and Doncic, about how they're already getting in the ranks with these triple-double leaders. I don't know if it's like I'm seeing stats like they're the first to do this at their age, but Jokic has been in the league now like a decade or so, I feel like. So I like Jokic a lot. It's tough with the new guys. Doncic is almost averaging a triple-double yeah. this year. Yeah, He's averaging 34 points, I want to say nine rebounds and nine and a half assists, or vice yeah. versa. And he's been doing something close to that for a while. He just hasn't been in the league that long. No, he's been you know, in the I league mean, for like six years, but Jokic has been also averaging triple-doubles for a few years now. Yeah, but, but so, so would Will Chamberlain not have done it? There was a season in which Will Chamberlain led the league in assists. Yeah, you would and, know better than I would. Well, he did. Way. I mean, he just, he had one season in which he did that, and he most certainly had, I mean, he probably had that many points and rebounds in literally every game of his yeah. career. Um, and then, it's hard to take off Magic, though, too. Correct. Magic got a lot of rebounds, and and, and the ma- Magic. I'm taking off Michael. I, I don't think, think so, it's Michael. Yeah. I don't think it's Michael. I think it. I think, it, I think it's Wilt, Magic, Luca, and Jokic. I would say Magic and one of the new guys. I take Jokic over Luca. Magic, I think, I think, Magic, and Jokic. Yeah, I think that'd probably be my Jokic. Like last night, he, it's 15. T- it's not crazy numbers, but he does all three very well. Okay. We're going to go with Nikola Jokic. That's right. Oh, yes. Okay, one Jokic more. Jokic has 121. He is fourth on the all-time list, so you are just missing number three. Oh, is it a new guy? Is it Luka or is it I can't magic? imagine it's not magic. So, so here's the point. If, if he's number three, like Hambo telling us that is significant because Doncic has only been playing that long. He would have moved past 
Kidd, he would have moved past LeBron, he would have moved past Jokic. Like, that seems unlikely. It feels like someone who would have played a full career. So, so t- Magic does have a, a kind of a shorter career, though. Yeah, his career was shortened. Yeah. Will Chamberlain, I mean, when in doubt, when it comes to numbers, Will Chamberlain is usually the answer. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be Chamberlain or Magic. I'd say Magic, but we don't have a bad guess on the board. I think Magic is, over Will. Okay, everyone in this room is saying Magic. So, so that I'm not the one who gets this wrong for us, I will <laughs> go with it. We're going to go with Magic Johnson. And the correct answer is Magic Johnson. Yeah! Two in a row. Oh, that is so good. We got all six. That is so good. We got all six from all different eras. Win. So, so the correct answers are Westbrook, Robertson, LeBron, Kid, Jokic, and Magic Johnson. Holy crap, we're good at that. That is that that should count as like six wins. I don't think we're ever getting Bubba back. That is incredible. Let's keep Nick. He he's good with these. Yeah, hashtag Nick. Nick's record is four and one over the last three days. You have now vaulted ahead of Bubba. Candidly, you vaulted ahead of Pineapple Jack. (laughs) I'm not sure you haven't vaulted ahead of Hembo. I mean, you're you're a you're now an integral player. Let me hear the rest of the list. How close are others? So Wilt is seventh with seventy. Eight. Okay. James Harden is eighth with 75. We never even th- mentioned him. Luca's ninth with 66. And Larry Bird is 10th with 59. Oh, That's I'm, incredible. I'm glad no one said Bird because I think I would have thought it was him. Um, Woo! Teams just scored fewer points. Than, oh, that is just so good. That is such a. Wow. What a delightful win that is on our part. I'm so happy that we did. Uh, you want to give us some scores over there, young uh, Cam? Yeah, so Bubba's missed out on a bunch of these, so he's got fewer. Uh, fewer. I think Bubba gets losses for all the right <laughs> here. <laughs> all right, well, but right now Bubba's 13 and 21. I'm 15 and 25. You are 14 and 25. Jack's 8 and 13. Brandon's 8 and 22. So Brandon's climbing a little bit after a rough start. Nick's four and one after the last four couple of days. Four and one. And Dominique is 0 oh and one. So I so so that's outstanding work, and we'll have another trivia question. Just to finish it up here with a few minutes left in this hour, and then we have a million other things planned for today. But just to circle it back quickly to the the fracturing of the relationship of the Bulls. I'm trying to think. Like rock and roll bands tend to end with extraordinary acrimony, right? That happens a lot. Even the Beatles, there was an acrimonious period of time um, well-documented before they kind of patched things up to at least some degree. Lots and lots of rock and roll bands. I mean, if you've ever seen like Behind the Music for Sticks or one of these other bands, there's always like, they're always suing each other and all that kind of stuff. The other teams that have been this level of successful, like I don't feel like you get this. Right, I'm thinking like Magic and Kareem and Pat Riley and James Worthy. Like I feel like those guys all come together for to celebrate occasions. The '72 Dolphins always got together and drank champagne, you know, on that whole thing. Russell and Kuzi and all those guys, I think, continued to love each other forever. Who else are we talking about? The Spurs about? seem to get along just fine. The Spurs, right? absolutely. The Spurs, you know, does it have to do with the personality of the guy in the middle of it? I mean, the Spurs were led by Tim Duncan, maybe the most laid-back superstar of all time. Football is just generally a different sport than basketball. I don't know that we would consider either Kareem or Magic to be laid-back. I, I, I really I can't think of another dynasty where the central 
people of it. And certainly Michael, Scotty, and Horace, in my view, are three of the top six most important people. I just thought of one. Yeah. The Fab Five. Didn't the Fab Five are a good comp? They, well, they had a very unique falling out, right? I mean, right. They, they had the controversy or that, that got them, what's the word, banned, barred, discounted, whatever the word is. Vacated. Vacated, thank you. And, and that, that, I think, is what created a lot of the issues. But yes, that's a good one. They're one of the most legendary teams of all time, and it's well documented. We're not talking out of school. Obviously, we are very close friends with Jalen, but we wouldn't be talking out of school because everyone is aware, particularly of the issues between him and Chris Webber. My sense of it is that they they have finally now really um, uh, started to mend those fences. But that's a good one. I mean, that's a good comp. They had an extraordinary circumstance that befell them, I guess we could call the last dance an extraordinary circumstance. I suppose. One way or another, I'll just say it again. For me, in, 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 a, in the sports context, it's a tragedy. What those guys accomplished together for it to look like this now makes me sad. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN, and also available wherever you get your podcasts.